Korea and Japan, as well as being neighbours, are both key allies of the US and both are flanked by China, North Korea and Russia to their north. So you might expect a great deal of common ground. But for decades, relations between the two have frequently been frosty, often with the spectre of Japan's colonisation of the Korean peninsula between 1910 and 1945 hovering in the background. Now, however, South Korea appears to be offering an olive branch, with Seoul announcing it will set up a fund to compensate victims of forced Japanese labour, and Japanese firms will not be asked to contribute. John Lee is the editor of Korea Pro, an online publication on global affairs, and he's based in Seoul. Welcome to RN Drive. Thank you for having me. John, how are South Koreans responding to this news? Ah, well, that depends on who you ask. But if you ask, uh, say, the victims of those who suffered under Japanese colonization, they are not at all happy about this current deal. In fact, the buzzword that is going on around the activists and the victims is total defeat. Uh, because the Japanese government is not paying any money into these foundations, um, which has always been a core demand from the victims and the activists. They are furious that this was the compromise that the UN administration has decided to implement. Uh, the UN administration does not seem to be all that concerned about uh, the lack of popularity, because right now the UN administration seems to be more concerned about national interests. So let's unpack that a bit. What is the national interest at stake here and how has Japan received this news? Let's start with the first things first. Uh, right now, the United States and China are intensifying the trade war. And because of the trade war, one of the things that the United States government has, one of the laws that they've passed is the IRA. Because of this law, the IRA, South Korea feels the need to align itself more closely with Washington. And it's not just the IRA, it's also CHIPS Act, which is also another uh, aspect of the trade war between the US and China. And because of the CHIPS Act, Again, South Korean companies like uh, SK Hynix and Samsung Electronics is also feeling the brunt of this trade war. South Korea feels a need to closely align itself with the U.S. But in order to closely align itself with the U.S., South Korea also needs to also more closely align itself with Japan. And because of this, South Korea, uh, the UN administration specifically, feels the need to bury the hatchet and try to improve ties with Tokyo. So there's a certain amount of realpolitik in play here. But we have seen this tried before in South Korea um, and in Japan. In 2015, the then Japanese Prime Minister Shinzo Abe and then South Korean President Park Geun-hye agree that the comfort issue, comfort women issue, was finally and irreversibly resolved. The successor in South Korea, President Moon Jae-in, then reversed that and capitalised that on that domestically. What's the likelihood this could happen again if there's a lot of discomfort within South Korea about this announcement? Who's to say that Seoul won't demand Japanese contributions to the fund further down the track? That is certainly the reason why there's a lot of scepticism coming from Tokyo. Uh, we've been here before. 2015, this was supposed to be final and irreversible less than two years later, and we were back to square one. But there are certain 
things that are a little different this time around. When that deal was made between the Park Geun-hye administration and the Shinzo Abe administration in Korea and Japan, respectively, uh, Park Geun-hye was in the third year of her single five-year term presidency. In contrast, Yoon is only a little over a year into his presidency. So he's got a lot more time in order to get the South Korean public more used to this, uh, to uh, accept this as the new status quo, to explain to the South Korean public that this is what is going, that, that, that this is what is needed in order for South Korea to benefit. And so he's got more time, unlike the Park administration. And as I've also already mentioned before, because of the worsening geopolitical environment around Korea, Korea is uh, has less wiggle room to maneuver between the larger powers, between South Korea and China. Now, let's say for, uh, that in 2027, after Yoon leaves office, he's replaced by um, a progressive president. Now, should that happen, even if that happens, the next progressive uh, government might have less uh, ability to overturn this because if they do, they might lose uh, support from even the U.S. They will definitely lose trust with Japan, but they might also lose support from the U.S. at a time when South Korea really needs help from the U.S. and Japan the most uh, during this intensifying trade war between the West and China. So you think there is significant evidence this time that this is baked in, this is here to stay? I wouldn't go so far as to call it evidence, but there are signs that this might uh, have a little more longevity than the 2015 Comfort Women deal did. John Lee, thank you for joining us. Thank you very much. That was John Lee, the editor of Korea Pro. He's based in Seoul.